This is Looking for Christ, a podcast that seeks to deepen faith as we search for Christ in all of Scripture. My name is Zach, and I'm here with my good friend and co-host, Oren. And today, we are in Galatians chapter 4, verses 21 through 31. Tell me, you who desire to be under the law, do you not listen to the law? For it is written that Abraham had two sons, one by a slave woman and one by a free woman. But the son of the slave was born according to the flesh, while the son of the free woman was born through the promise. Now this may be interpreted allegorically. These women are two covenants. One is from Mount Sinai, bearing children for slavery. She is Hagar. Now Hagar is Mount Sinai in Arabia. She corresponds to the present Jerusalem, for she is in slavery with her children. But the Jerusalem above is free, and she is our mother. For it is written, Rejoice, O barren one who does not bear. Break forth and cry aloud, you who are not in labor. For the children of the desolate one will be more than those of the one who has a husband. Now you brothers, like Isaac, are children of promise. But just, at that, just as at that time, he who was born according to the flesh persecuted him, who was born according to the Spirit, so also it is now. But what does the Scripture say? Cast out the slave woman and her son, for the son of the slave woman shall not inherit with the son of the free woman. So, brothers, we are not children of the slave, but of the free woman. Okay, well... Um, this is a tough one because there are so many uh, allegorical or metaphorical references in this text, um, verses 21 through 31. I think the message is easy to grasp once you kind of put all these pieces together. What's Paul really saying here? Um, and he, ta- he starts off with verse 21 by by telling the the church in Galatia, if you want to if you want to live under the law, do you even listen to it to begin with? And then he breaks all into this um, explanation, uh, this allegorical explanation, I guess, if you will, um, between two sons and two women, a free woman and a bond woman. Each had a son, and those two sons were Isaac and Ishmael. The two women or two mothers were Sarah and Hagar. And he talks about two Jerusalems, one being of earth and one being of heaven, essentially. And so what what does all this really mean? Well, the simple reference is to Abraham and Sarah taking it upon themselves to have Abraham conceive a child with Hagar. God promised Abraham he was going to have a son, and from that son would come a mighty nation. The nations of the world would be blessed through him. Well... Sarah was old and Abraham was old um, in their 80s and they couldn't have children. So Sarah said, okay, well, have a child with my servant, Hagar. Well, so, so Abraham conceives a child with Hagar and Sarah immediately becomes jealous, gets rid of Hagar, sends her out to the wilderness. And then God tells Hagar, go back and serve your, mat, your, your mistress well. I'm going to take care of you and your son. And so Ishmael is born son of Abraham, son of Hagar, but that is not the son that God had promised. The son of promise was of God's grace, whereas the son that Abraham and Hagar conceived was of the flesh. And so what Paul is doing here is he is connecting 
uh, working by the law, which is of the flesh, and the, and the uh, salvation that comes by grace through faith in Jesus Christ, which is of the Spirit. And those are the two kind of messages that are, that are in conflict with one another here. Paul is contrasting law and grace. Sarah, I mean, sorry, uh, Abraham and Hagar would represent the law. They took things into their own hands and their own power, and they failed. Uh, this child that, that Abraham and Sarah would conceive in their very old age could only be something that God could do by his miracle uh, working grace. And so the, the life that is in the spirit that we have now is by grace, not by law. So that's kind of the two references that Paul is using here to describe the difference in sort of a law-fueled salvation of the flesh or pr pursuing salvation of the flesh versus a grace-fueled salvation that comes by faith alone in Jesus Christ. And then he compares the two mountains or the two cities. One is Sinai, which represents the law, and one represents the heavenly Jerusalem, which is coming down from heaven from God of grace that we receive it. We don't climb the mountain to it. It comes down to us by God's grace and gives us a place to dwell in security, which is, again, God's work of grace for our sake. And so the, the, the challenge for Paul here to the Galatians and to us is simple. Are you a child of the bondwoman or of the free woman? Are you trying to work for your salvation or are you receiving it by God's grace? So that's kind of a, a very brief synopsis of what all these images mean. Yeah, um, I, and I find it very interesting that Paul is talking to a group of Gentiles about very specific nuances of what he calls the law, but uh, what we know to be Genesis. Yep. And so I find that interesting too. Yeah. yeah. That um, which is consistent with Jewish thought, right? The first five books are thought to yeah. be the Torah. I yeah. think that's what it's referred to as. Yes. Um, but that's um, that's not really what I think of the law, but. Um, it, but yeah, I'm just baffled by like how many of the Gentiles there are really grasping what he's saying. And I think the allegory is placed well because without all of without without the first four chapters, I feel like I feel like we're kind of we're going to be scratching our heads on this. But it, it's but he's basing it on everything he's been saying and he's like, "Look, I know I've talked about a lot. Let me sum it up for you in an allegory, in a story." Yeah. And I, I think what's happening also in the background, Paul is sort of indirectly going after the Judaizers because they would have yeah, known he's flexing. the Old Testament. Yeah, he's flexing yeah. a little bit. So he says, tell me, you who want to be under the law, do you not listen to the law? So he's throwing some trash at him a little bit here by going, <laughs> you know, he's he's talking to the Galatians, but he's kind of talking over them to the to the Judaizers here going, yeah. okay, you, you think you know the law? Well, how about some of this? And he just lays on these, these allegories that sort of explain they are of Sinai, they are of Hagar, which would have been a high insult to them, right? Yeah, basically right, what he's saying, exactly. the, re the yep. rest of us are of Abraham and Sarah. So which one are you, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. Yeah, and to like, when I personalize this text for me, and I, and I think of Sarah and Abraham and them, because yes, absolutely, it's what Paul says, for it is written that Abraham had two sons, one by a slave woman and one by a free woman, but the son of the slave was born according to the flesh. And you, you said it well, where they were taking, taking it in their own. They had this promise and they weren't content with waiting on God to fulfill the promise. But like we need to take things in our own hands and our own matters, much, much like what the law does is it says, OK, God, 
we, we've got this now. We're going to take over and we're going to do things in our own strength, um, which is what kind of like what the Judaizers are proposing to the Gentiles is like, yes, grace is, is pretty good, but now you've got the law and I have to do all these mm-hmm. things to be yeah. right with God. Exactly. And um, so, th- so this, this is an allegory, but it's, it's not made up. Right, like Paul's not making up a story here. This is actual, real, right. historical yes. events. So what he's doing is he's using history as an allegory for the gospel, which he's trying to proclaim. Right. So he's not he's not making up some fable from you know study. He says just kind of pulled out of thin air and he used this these random names. These are actual people that the Jews and the Gentiles probably would have recognized because they're important figures in Jewish history. Right. And so allegorically speaking, these Two women are two covenants. One's the covenant of works and the law. One's the covenant of grace in Christ. And so what he's doing is simply saying, you can't be part of both. You have to be one or the other. Are you earning it or are you receiving it by grace? Which is it, right? Because he says in verse 28, and you brethren, so he's confirming for them already, are like Isaac, children of promise. So he's saying, if you are a Christian, you're not under the law in the sense of gaining salvation through it. You are like Isaac. You are a miracle of God's grace. By faith in him, you are saved. You are are born again. You are renewed of the spirit, of of the heart, by, by, by the spirit, so that you can live God's way. You're not living God's way to get it. You're living because you've gotten it already, right? And so... Yeah. The, the 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 aspect of this of these allegories really is just taking the Old Testament truth and applying it in the New Testament, seeing the gospel come alive. Are you like Abraham and Hagar or are you like Abraham and Sarah? If you're the child, which child are you, Ishmael or Isaac? Yeah. And when I think of what Abraham and Sarah, how long they would have waited, because I, th- I think I was looking it up as somewhere around like 20 years that they were waiting for the promise, the word spoken, to become reality, and so it's it's this it's this the flesh and doing things in our own strength and our own power versus the word spoken in the word of grace that that God speaks over us, and and I I just think of how difficult it would have been to wait twenty years or so to see this promise fulfilled, and and I have to wait much. Like I give in a lot sooner than 20 years before I start taking things in my own strength. Um, but it's just a reminder that sometimes the promise takes a while to see it fulfilled and putting my, my hope and strength in God, um, during that time allows me to be more closer to him, to rely on him more, um, as opposed to, um, wanting to do it in my own strength. And there's something you said that. Go ahead. Well, I was, I was going to ask you, what do you what do you make of verse twenty nine? Because there's some backstory here that's really interesting about about oh, yeah. uh, who's being persecuted, the one of the flesh persecuting the one of the spirit. Do you know what that's reference to? I saw that. I think it's Genesis one. Well, it actually nine, involves Isaac, 20, Isaac and Ishmael. So yeah, Genesis um, twenty one nine. Yeah, yeah. So Isaac was three years. It's old. like hinted at. Yeah. Yeah. Isaac would have been three years old. And if you think about it, when Isaac was born, um, Ishmael was probably a teenager, an early teenager. So imagine uh-huh, okay. being you he was he was Abraham's only son for like 14, 15 years, whatever, 14 years. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden this new kid shows up, right? 
Abraham, yeah, you were the promised one. Yeah. Like, hey, uh, Ishmael imagine, thought he was the promised one. Yeah. Imagine being a teenager and now your dad, all your dad's attention is focused on the new baby, right? So Ishmael probably had some issues already. And then when Isaac was about three, he would have been weaned from his mother. There was a big party that was thrown. So Ishmael would have been somewhere like 17 or 18 years old. And he was mocking the three-year-old, making fun of him. And that's when Ishmael tells, I mean, it's where Abraham tells Ishmael and Hagar to, 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 to leave, right? And so that persecution was the son of the flesh making fun of or mocking the son of the spirit, right? But the Son of the Spirit is was the miracle, right? The Son of the mm-hmm. Spirit was the one that could not and should not have happened, and yet he happened because God is powerful to do what God said he would do. And um, the application here is simply, as Christians, people are not always going to understand how we're born again. They're not going to understand the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. They're not going to grasp that we are, we are new creations, Right, So we're not going to see things the way they do. They're not going to see things the way we do. And they may not always make fun or mock us like Ishmael did for Isaac, but there, there are some repercussions to living for Christ in this world. It's, it's reality that we're not always going to align with the world, and certainly they won't align with us. But that's sort of like a confirmation, right, that we are walking with Christ when the world doesn't agree, when they choose to live life in the flesh their own way. Yeah. And I think that ties in well with his um, his quotation from Isaiah, and uh, he's, he's quoting Isaiah fifty four one. And I, I might be making this up, but I'm pretty sure I've heard this that whenever there are quotes, it's less about the direct quote and more about the section of scripture that's being quoted, because they would have had like yeah they would have been they would have had like uh, like whole scrolls and this one scroll, like the way they referenced the scrolls would have been like the first verse of that scroll. And um, so like Isaiah 52 and 53 are about the uh, the Lord's servant and him blessing uh, sinners. And it's actually sections of this are quoted heavily in the New Testament. And then Isaiah 54 is um, God calling his people to prepare joyfully for their future because the context in Isaiah is exile. Uh, and yet at this point in Isaiah, it's, it's them, it's God proclaiming over his people, this promise that he's going to restore them. Um, even while like, right. The quote is sing O barren one who did not bear break forth into singing and cry aloud. You who have not been in labor for the children of the desolate one, will be more than the children of her who is married. So right now you're barren, but rejoice in what's to come. And in this section in 54, um, verse six, for the Lord has called you like a wife deserted and grieved in spirit, like a wife of youth when she is cast off, says your God. For a brief moment I deserted you, but with great compassion I will gather you. In overflowing anger for a moment, I hid my face from you, but with everlasting love, I will have compassion on you, says the Lord, your Redeemer. And so it's almost like Paul saying, like, how could you go back to the law when this is what's on the table? When God's compassionate love towards us, uh, unbridled love, undeserved love, how could you go back to thinking you could earn this when God offers it freely 
uh, through grace, through his son, Jesus. Jesus is the one who set us free. Let's, let's stay committed to him, not go back to this law. Amen. And that's why Paul, at the beginning of the letter, I'm so astonished, he says. I am amazed. I'm yeah. bewildered by your return to the law when you have the gospel, right? He even calls Galatians foolish or fools because they've left behind a better message, right? They've traded away a better message for a lesser one. They traded away freedom for slavery. And Jesus is the, is the son who's come to set slaves free. So why would you go back to slavery when you are free, when you're free from earning your salvation, when you're free from having to deserve it, to be good enough, to keep a law that in your flesh you are in, incapable of keeping perfectly, that you will only ever find condemnation if you keep trying to earn your salvation by keeping the law. Jesus says, no, I've come, the Son has come to set you free, and if you're free, you're free indeed, right? And so the the the, the the lesson for us here is we, we may not be in danger of, of going back to a, a Jewish law, but what we are in danger of is making up our own so that we feel pretty good about ourselves as Christians. We get our little boxes, and we only ever include boxes that we know we can check off, right? And we leave off the boxes that we're not comfortable with or we can't keep, and we just keep checking those boxes going, man, I'm doing pretty good. I went to church. I brought my Bible. <laughs> my Bible you know, I, I gave some money. I, I did some things. Listen, all those things are good. You should read your Bible. You should go to church, but none of those things are getting you anything from God, right? And if you allow yourself to think that way, then you're going to be become a slave to your system. You're going to become a slave to what you think is what God wants versus living in the power of the Spirit and believing in the gospel. The gospel is freedom in Christ alone, through faith alone, by His grace alone. That's it. Like, that's the message of the gospel. And so when we start adding things to it to make ourselves feel better or feel more Christian, we're, we're going back to a, a, a yoke of slavery that was never intended for us. God wants us to live as free children children of the free woman, right, Sarah, essentially, and not uh, slaves of Hagar or Ishmael. That's not what he wants for us. And so we are children, like Isaac, of promise, and that promise is all those who trust in Christ are set free, and free today and free forever in, in, in Jesus. Amen. That feels like a good place to end. And until next time, Lord, help us to turn our eyes to Jesus.